Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 185, Episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness. It is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jack O'Brien, so old. Chuggy, 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 so old. Jack O'Brien, so old. Chuggy, 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 so old. That is courtesy of official dickhead. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I took her out. It was a Zeitgeist Live. I watched the news to get the feeling right. We started talking loud, and she explained her stance. But then I turned off the DZ, and that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes when you're off trending, and you're still amused by TV shows. What the hell is absentee? My friend said I should up my wage. What's the newest trend again? What's my wage again? I said, what's my wage again? Fuck it. We just blew through that one. Juju. We're pivoting off the red hot chewy chili pepper TPK thing. We were doing RHCPK. Look, the ones you got in, I may honor those. But we're going to have to, we may have to forge on to a new form of AKA. So a credit to everybody who is hitting us with the RHCPK AKA. Yeah, yeah. Legendary. Uh, well, Miles, we mm-hmm. are thrilled to be joined in our third seat. Unworthy. Yet. By the brilliant, the talented, the legendary, the new daily podcast host, Nikki Glazer. Uh-oh. Hi, you guys. So good Welcome. to be here on another daily podcast. You guys yes. inspired me to start my own. The Nikki Blazer podcast. Uh, And uh, I'm, oh man, I'm, yeah, doing a daily podcast. And then also I've been doing a ton of other podcasts. Like I'm podcasting like three or four times a day. Uh, It's all I do. Uh, And I love it. It's the best. But yeah, I'm having so much fun with mine. And um, as we were just talking off air of like, it's just so nice to have a job you don't dread. Or like, and and, and there's so many jobs I do that are just, you know, it's obviously what I chose to do, but I don't think there's a single time I go on stage and I go, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't want to do this. And then I I grab the mic and I have fun. The second I grab the mic and I get on stage, I have fun, but constant dread up until that moment. But I don't dread my own podcast at all. In fact, I like I do it four days a week, Monday through Thursday, the Nikki Glaser podcast, uh, iHeartRadio by Big Money Players. Um, But on I get sad Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's like too much of a break. I li- I miss it. And that's not just <laughs> me saying that to be like, it, I really do. I just feel like it's, uh, I, I, yeah. Do you guys ever feel that way or do you need a break? I mean, we all need breaks, but. Yeah, I, d- need I definitely breaks. need a break by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I, I enjoy my weekends. I think it was once we started doing a second episode every day, I was just like, I need. Wait. <laughs> yes. Yes. We do like yeah. a fifteen-minute trending episode, right? You know, that's whew. it's a lot. But I don't know because Jack and I we saw each other physically for the first time yeah. over the weekend because we were doing a a lesser award show than the one you were doing, or maybe right. higher, depending on where we're you're trying to keep up. I mean, we're trying let's to keep be honest. Up, you know? I think they're same level. <laughs> same level. <laughs> really boil it down. Yeah. But like it, it was one of those moments where like, hey, <laughs> it felt yes. like like wild, a fucking man. like a reunion scene at the end of a Fast yeah. and Furious movie or some shit. Because yeah. you guys don't see each other in person all no. like ever. You don't have no, this to. This is the first time in over a year. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! What yeah. did you? We were what very, did you? Uh, vaccine observant. I was or... surprised how good. the the solid hug Jack gave me. I was, oh really? Oh, shit, my man came in for came from serious. <laughs> came from but deep the, within. Podcasting is hard though because I mean it's like a great job and it's, I'm not complaining but it is you can't be on your phone you can't be doing other things it is you right. have to be focused you have to be present you have to be listening you have to be uh, it's it's different than any other job i mean i feel like most people work 9 to 5s and maybe get the same amount of presence and like focus that we have in an hour of podcasting cuz i get off my phone i'm like oh that's the longest i've been away from my phone yeah. ever is what i podcast yeah. it's like the it's the it's the way it used to be when you would go on a plane and they wouldn't have wi-fi now now you right. have no excuse to never be tethered to your phone but uh podcasting is the only excuse i have now and sleeping but even sleeping it's like wake up bitch answer my text (laughs) i'm blowing you up (laughs) yeah yeah is everything okay yeah i've just been asleep for four hours what the yeah well the only reason i like when if people want to get a hold of me when i'm sleeping i say call me because i always have my phone on silent but i always have um white noise going i think it was one of my underrateds last time 
I came on here as like a, a sleep mask and white noise to sleep. So I wake up when someone calls because the white noise will just, it'll go to silence. So I get woken up by silence oh, of the call. So uh, that's the only way I wake up when I, when I sleep. When people are like, I don't, I didn't want to wake you up by texting you. And I'm like, who the hell is leaving their text alerts on when they're yeah. sleeping? Right. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a person you, sh- you need to wake up. People don't get very many uh, text messages like myself. Uh, oh, you don't get yeah. many texts. And you just rub in your mitts. You're like, ooh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, today. I wake everybody in my household up. I'm like, guys, I got a text. I got <laughs> a text. Daddy's got a text. <laughs> Kids, get in here. Do you notice, though, that more people are using the voice memo option uh, instead of texting? To just- I have a couple have people in my life who've been doing that, yeah. Because they For disappear, sure. right? Yeah, I, I've, I've no, I've, I would say drug dealers were very early adopters of the voice mm. message because wow. you could get real graphic and say things that you wouldn't want in text form that you could do in the voice, you know, because they're yes, graph like graphic about your drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these drugs are so good, real bro. Nuts. Like, oh, you want three point five grams? Yes, <laughs> it's so much better than being Damn. like, "Can I get some sweaters from you or whatever?" Like, I used to just <laughs> right. in right. high school, we used to say we were knitting sweaters, and I, it just like why I thought my parents wouldn't catch on to the fact that I've never had an interest in like arts and crafts at all, and that we would go knit sweaters in the car and drive around my subdivision for yeah. 15 minutes and come back <laughs> with bloodshot <laughs> eyes and no yarn right. or needles or sweater. Like, right. it's just so dumb. Yeah. But I, now I, I do feel like the voice memo thing, I noticed it with, like, more famous people that I may be talking to as the same as drug dealers. Like, don't want as much of a record of a text screenshot. Oh, so yeah. right. they said the voice memo. But I See, like it so much more. that's the difference to you and I. <laughs> you got famous friends. I know drug dealers. I mean, you know? barely. Well, yeah, yeah I, I need more drug dealers in my life, to be honest with you. I'm tired of uh, asking my dad if I could have some of his weed. Now they're all on Signal. So, Oh, so. yeah, Signal. That's <laughs> no, the one. And around. you get an alert when a friend joins Signal. If you're on Signal, you get like alerts when your friends join it. You go, oh, someone just got a new drug dealer. <laughs> that's what I always say. When someone yeah, does. it's like, because you're not a journalist or activist or someone who <laughs> no, needs no. crypt- You're into psilocybin crypt- now. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're trying a new therapy. Mm-hmm. I just got an alert that the city of Dayton, Ohio, joined Signal. I was like, okay. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know they were uh, one of my contacts. but That's yeah. so weird. Wild. I mean, Dayton, Ohio has had a drug dealer for a long time. So yeah. I don't, think, I don't think that's what's going on there. Right. Um, they're just catching up to the technology. Maybe they're having an affair with Cleveland. Yeah. Ooh. That yeah. could be it. That could yeah, definitely it really be could be it. Yeah, cheating on Cincinnati with Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, it's just like an administrator for the city is doing it for shady stuff, not realizing it's <laughs> sending an alert. Like, the, the city whole- of Dayton has joined Signal. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Damn, I'm starting to wonder if my si- my little sister's been using voice memos like since they began. I'm wondering if maybe she's a drug dealer. It's she weight. might be young. Yeah. Like, how yeah. old is she? She's only two years younger than me. But okay, she's... but like the younger kids use the voice memos too. You know, like right. I feel yeah. like that's a. It's like texting is like old, but I do a lot of the dictating of like saying period exclamation right. mark. I just started my period exclamation mark. Or, you know, like, <laughs> but that's that's a weird one because sometimes I will be use, leaving the voice memo and I say exclamation. And I'm talking like a robot exclamation right. mark. Right. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm sending right. this as a. Yeah, <laughs> right. My uh, Siri has I, I'm unimpressed with Siri as of yet. Uh, oh, Siri's yeah. ability to like just randomly drops in as like. I'm sorry, I don't know about that. I was I'm like, what the fuck? I've never I've never like gotten that when it was intended. Anyways, I'm an old man. Uh yes. let's talk about I don't think uh, Siri has ever brought me anything but consternation in my life. Yes. Like of I need to shut it off, that little start thing, the little magic ball like starts, starts going. going. Like, no! Get yeah. out of I hate I hate that on these iPhones. How many screenshots do you have of your home screen on your iPhone from trying to turn (laughs) up or down the music and you have to get a grip on it. So you have to press the other button. I have so many screenshots of my home screen. It's so annoying. I I feel like are the new phones. Did they fix that? Are the new models? They had to have. I mean, that isn't a a thing that happens to all of us. I think if anything, you just have to change like how you take a screenshot to avoid that. Like in the differences. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, it got harder yeah. to take a screenshot with this latest update of the phone, so uh, oh, I had did? to like, yeah, I 
with I'm on I just got the twelve, but I jumped from like one with a button. So I'm I'm way <laughs> right. the fuck behind. To now but using it, my face. Like the first day I like couldn't take a screenshot. Now I can't not take them. So And then that's the pissed. thing is like you learn sometimes it's like we get so mad at a design change. Yeah. And then we get used to it with it. Give it a day before you start tweeting about how it's now ruined. We they know us so well. They're only optimizing everything for us to be on this thing longer and make right. and, and yeah, they're all, they know they know us better than we know ourselves so I give really, it time and yeah. it will be intuitive within hours i have to stop being mean to siri like when she interrupts i have to stop being like oh siri shut up because my pa- my uh, kids are learning it now uh <laughs> They're like being mean to Alexa now. I'm like, oh, shit. They're like, hit it, motherfucker. (laughs) It is so fun to yell at her. (laughs) I know. And get your aggression out and just be like, you dumb bitch. I don't care about the weather. Like, (laughs) I like to get really mad. It's probably projection. It's not good. Uh, I should change it to a man's voice to make it feel less, uh, you know. Alex, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, Alex. Yeah. Oh, I already hate that version. Alexi. I guess Alex might be too common. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment, Nikki. First, we're going to tell our listeners just a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Rudy is appealing to the big homie for some help. So we'll talk about his pleas for help. We'll talk about Bill Gates stories coming out. Uh, it's gone from a trickle to a flood. The gates are open. Uh, we'll talk about New York City Pride Parade and uh, how they are going to not be using the police. And of course, people know that I was on I was on alert the second that sixty minutes UFO story uh, hit. Oh, right. uh, so I got I got to just do a deep dive, just just a <laughs> recounting of that story. I'm just gonna yes. play the story for you. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Nikki. We like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, this morning I was doing a mic test and uh, and I never know what to say for that. And I wanted something funny to say. And I'm trying to memorize a line that I can always say. And I remembered watching an old episode of Veep in which Sam Richardson, the guy who plays uh, God, Richard. What is he? Richard Splett. Yeah. Yes. He was doing a mic test. And I remember he said something funny. So I looked up Veep mic test. Richard, and uh, he goes, bring back my pig. <laughs> I just think that's the best. It like gets all those. It, it's it's better than testing, test it, you know. So I looked that up, and um, and I recalled. I love Veep so much. It's my favorite show of all time. It's just the I. If you don't like Veep, I, it would be more of a deal breaker based on like I don't think I want kids, and I think someone who wanted kids. I would probably be like, we're not going to work out, but it would be more likely to not work out if someone was like, I don't like Veep. Like, it's, right. it, wow. it's literally on my dating profiles. The, the ones that I've made in the past is like, must you like must Veep. like Veep because it yeah. just says so much about, I need someone who likes, it's just, yeah, that's the biggest litmus test for me. Wow. Do you Sarah guys like, like Veep? I don't know. They're so mean. I, I, yeah. I can't. <laughs> well, <laughs> she did get really mean towards the last two seasons where it was like, no one's this mean, but <laughs> the jokes are still there. The like, right. it's just it's the best show, and oh, I but, uh, still like politics. It was such yeah. a good depiction of like a celebrity in decline who's like you know just bitter about that and so rude to everybody around them. I feel like that sort <sighs> of toxic narcissism, like that, that's real. That's for sure yeah. real in America. Yeah, I think so too, and and I like that the show didn't give you what you wanted it yeah, just, just the the characters are just terrible like it's just it's just so it's so good it's it was my like the show. last episode of seinfeld stretched over the course of like multiple seasons where it's <laughs> yes. like wait these are bad people you didn't realize these are <laughs> these are awful fucking people you no wanted us to like on that show is likable except richard sled richard he's the only one and even you grow to resent him at times because you're like, you're annoying. And you like, uh, I find myself, I can't watch Veep too much because I start acting like her and being yeah. really, <laughs> especially with my podcast co-host, Andrew, who's like my best friend. And he's more like, we, <laughs> he's like a Tony, he's like a, uh, a Mike McClintock, uh, who is her press secretary. And then also um, her bag man, uh, Gary. He's like a mixture of those two with me. And I can, if we watch too much Veep, we fall into those characters and I can be so cruel and so mean. But I will say that if I watch Veep sometimes, 
I'm a lot funnier. I like to watch it before I have to be really, really on and really sharp. And it mm. kind of it, it, it gets me in that mindset of, of thinking <laughs> that fast and trying to be that funny. So it's it's uh, yeah, that's that's I funny. Love it. I, you and Andrew do have like sort of a veep, a veep vibe. Where, yes, we <laughs> yeah. really do. Where it's like you're being mean to him, but you're commenting on the fact that you're being mean to him as you're being mean to him. So it's OK. Yeah. Just like, why would you say that? I don't care about that. Like, I'll just it's very blunt. Like I'm not, uh, yeah. I I find myself being like Selena Meyer, and I always flatter myself because I'm like, oh my god, I'm like Julia Louis Dreyfus. It's like, no, you're like a <laughs> narcissistic sociopathic character she plays. That's not a good thing. But I do that all the time. I really, if I watch something too much, I start sounding like the person. I'm really, uh, I'm good at mimicking, and I'm good at like impressions. But it's almost like I, the best impressions I do are people I want to be so badly that right, I right. find a way. I mean, even in middle school, like the girls that were popular, this one girl like talks like this, like it wasn't like a good <laughs> voice. And she would like talk from the side of her mouth. But she was like, that was probably like the least attractive thing about her. But that was the thing I chose to mimic. Like that was the most attractive <laughs> thing. There was another girl with like a lazy eye. And I used to kind of just like have uh, like a kind. I used to make my eye kind of lazy so yeah. that I would be more like her. And it's like, I, wow. I, I've always done Chameleon. that. And yeah, and like comedians too. Like I can't watch my favorite comics, female comics, especially because I'll get, uh, I'll start sounding like them. And sometimes male comics too, but people aren't as quick to go, you're just ripping off that person. Yeah, I'm not intentionally case. doing right. it. It just, I like them so much. I absorb, I sound like all my friends, like people I like, I start, to, I'd be like Brad Pitt. Whenever he gets in a relationship, he like starts dressing like the person looks like them. That's, yeah. that's me. I don't I'm know. the what same way too. Me. But early on, it was mostly like media that was doing that to me as a kid, like where I loved New York rap and the Sopranos to the point where I would meet people and they thought I was from the East coast. Yeah. Cause I was just ingesting so much New York, New Jersey, like content. And I'm like, nah, like just shit. I would say mannerisms like people in L.A. Be like, oh, you're from New York. Right. And I'm like, no, they're like, oh, shit. Like your vibe. I'm like, nah, TV kind of fucked my brain up. Uh, I'm learning <laughs> to just sort of become myself again. Yeah. Those were our friends hanging yeah. out. Like that was if you watch enough of something, you hang out with them more than the people, more than the people who are supposed to be the nurturing thing that's right. shaping you. Yeah. I was definitely nurtured it's by sort TV of like as that, well. There's like a tweet a while back we called out that was someone was like, you know, like at a certain age, you literally just mimic something, a character you saw in a movie and that's your whole personality <laughs> yeah. for like seven years. And it's like, yes. it's, some of us have, I think we, we hold on to that habit. Or not, yeah. it's like not a habit, but I think it's just in general, it's like this mimicry that we can't get Because away from. we like them and we all want to be liked. So we go, oh, if I like them, then if I act like them, I might be liked. I think it's maybe something like that. It's, uh, it's, I can't help it when people go, you sound like, because when I started out, it sounded like Sarah Silverman. There was a while it sounded like Amy Schumer. And it's like, I admit, yeah, I do. Because I like them so much. I want to be them. And I, I wasn't doing their jokes, but I would do. Right, right, right. There's certain things that I would be like. And there's even things I do now in my stand-up that people go, that's such an original thing. And I go, no, my ex-boyfriend used to talk like that and right. go, oh, like this. Like, that's a delivery <laughs> thing I do now. But right. I stole from an ex-boyfriend. I was like, that's a hilarious way to go. And and, 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 and it's like, <laughs> right, right, right. but it's all, uh, that's what being a comedian is, is not so much like coming up with your own unique thing, but being able to tell what's funny and synthesizing it into like coming through. Yeah. Like we're all influenced by everyone. That's all art, you know, and that's I think art. that's what's like the idea of like originality is like hard to, you know, get to the origins of because we're all inspired by so many things simultaneously that they're informing like what the end product is. Yeah. Well, maybe some people might be like overtly like heavy handed with it. And you're like, OK, now you're just doing an impression. Yeah. I think a lot of things when they look at, you know, how like a lot of artists think, too, they're more like. No, I look at other art to inspire my art. Like, it's not that I'm I'm trying to sit in a dark room and then just have, like, a fucking vision. Yes. It's like, no, I'm expressing myself via me processing all these other experiences I have and things I interact I with. I feel that way about, like, like, where does someone as young as Billie Eilish learn to, be like, sing like this? And, like, she doesn't talk like that. Like, how do you become so unique when you're that young and come up? Like, like Olivia Rodrigo, I watched her... SNL performance and I was like how does this young girl have so like I mean I'm sure she's maybe ripping someone off here like yeah. she has to but I think that's it just is so unique I'm like where are they coming up with this so young yeah they, I mean 
I feel like all the sayings that I wanted to believe from uh, writers I really liked or like artists I really liked growing up were apocryphal, like the right drunk edit sober thing from Hemingway is not true. He never said that, but I wanted to believe that when I wow. liked to drink. But yes. But then like all, the ones that are true are all about like how they steal all their good ideas. Yeah. Like T.S. Eliot talked about like great poets steal. You know, it's like that's that's just how art is made. And it's like a lot about I don't know, like people. The Simpsons did it. Yeah. The Simpsons yeah, no, did it. Yeah. Like okay. any joke you make, you're like the Simpsons did it in some way. I have to make this joke in my own way. And there are times like when I was writing, preparing the monologue for the MTV movie and TV awards unscripted that uh, aired last night, aired last night, aired, aired last night. I was doing this one joke that just felt like I came up with it, but I'm like, wherever I've heard this line before, that wasn't right. like an original thought. I don't know where I heard it from, but it ain't me. And I and and no one said anything. All my writers were like, "Yeah, that's like it was getting laughs." And then I just wrote to them, being like, "Will you guys like have you heard this before?" And they're like, "Yes." And they were all like, "We don't know where either, but like that's kind of hack." And I was like, "I knew it." Like, but sometimes it happens where it comes into your head like an original idea, but there's just this thing of like, because you don't know where any of your ideas come from. Thoughts just show up, and you're like, you think them. You don't like come up right. with what I'm gonna think. You know, like I'm not like I'm gonna choose to think this. And you don't know whether that's a truly original thing or something you heard. And a lot of there have been times I've been on stage and performed a joke in front of the person that wrote the joke. And I, I get off stage. I remember Ali Wong was like, hey, I think I, I love that joke. I, I have like the same line. And I go, oh, my God, I got it from you. I Because <laughs> that joke came to me in a way that was like, is this you? And I couldn't place who it came from. I asked my friends. Couldn't find out. And then Allie, I was like, it's it's you. It's yours. And now it's mine because I did it before you on this show. No. <laughs> on this show. No, it's just like I Nobody admit knows. to like accidentally stealing sometimes. I would never yeah. intentionally do that, but I am definitely capable of of you know I would have loved that story if you if it ended with you choking around and being like shh 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 shh, shh. <laughs> That's Slander. my anal joke. Yeah. There's only so many that could can only, only be, be me. one. Yeah. Only be me. <laughs> yeah, we're up there. It could only be one. Uh Nikki, what's something you think is overrated? The outdoors. I am <laughs> over camping and hiking and like especially when I'm trying to like date and going on dating apps and stuff like this. Like I I'm not ever going to present that. I'm not, I'm not going to ever convince, like try to make a guy think that I enjoy camping or hiking when I don't, when uh, the old Nikki maybe used to do that and be like, Oh, I'll be a little adventurous. And it's just a lie. Like I, I will enjoy those things if they're like once in a while, but I'm not someone who can go camping with you. Like I can be with someone who camps a lot or likes the outdoors, but you just got to understand I'm not going to be a part of those things that often. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for me to admit because guys love the outdoors. People love being outside. I do too. But I want to like eat outside and I want to sit with my friends outside. I don't want to like, I don't need to see a beautiful view. I mean, it's nice sometimes, but I'll look out right. the window when I'm taking off in a plane. Like that's a beautiful view. <laughs> and I'm like in right. a climate controlled environment. So yeah. um, I don't hate the outdoors. I love animals, but I don't, I don't like hiking and I don't like long meandering like I, I, I camping doesn't have enough schedule to it. It's just is like we're just going to fucking float and yeah. like or, <laughs> or just see where we end up. I need a schedule. It's too open. Wow, Anytime okay. someone's uh, inner tubing down a river, it stresses me out because I'm like, how the fuck are you going to get back to the place? Like, I need to I, know I think how I'm going to get back. Or something. Well, I mean, if you're smart, you got somebody who drives you up stream so you end up at yeah. your destination in the team. yeah right right you don't just recklessly take off from your campsite and be like, a lot of these hey, people man, who are floating down with a third inner tube with a 30 rack of a keystone in it i feel like mm -hmm. didn't didn't go through that step that's the kind of camping i could get involved in if it was lazy camping but like actually having to paddle and set up a tent and cook your own food it's like i don't understand why people like to do that i really i mean i i do understand because different strokes for, but for you personally, yeah, that's not but you. It's not me, and I can't. And I oh, I really always wanted to be that kind of girl that would be like adventurous, and and I thought that's what people wanted from me. And now I'm just kind of really yeah. realizing it's not me, and that's okay. 
So we we had uh, a similar one recently, and I always like to point that out, not because not to make you feel no. bad, but because I think that is like uh, when the show's doing its job and like getting at the zeitgeist, which I think a lot of people right now like that is part of the collective consciousness of like you know what we just spent a year indoors and like we're good like that was that was just <laughs> fine. I liked it. I will say that I I was in. Um the Cayman Islands filming a show for two and a half months and up until just recently. And I went there, we had to quarantine for two weeks to then be free. And then the Cayman Islands has no COVID. So it was like no masks, no even like, Oh, should we still wear like just it's back to normal. No case. Right. It was amazing. And I was freaked out. I was like, I don't want to go back to socializing. I don't want to go back to having to do things again. And I was having a lot of anxiety about being social again, but it took like one like, oh, I don't want to go, but I will. And then I was just right back at you go right back into the way you were before. And totally. it really is fucking great to socialize again and be out there. It's just uh, so if anyone out there is having fear of the world opening up again, I feel you. And I'm someone who people yeah. probably look at as like, she's so social. Why would she be scared? I was terrified of like having to make friends and meet up and like put on pants and makeup and just just be out and not because I'm scared of COVID. I'm scared of just not being home and I just want to be in yeah. bed and stuff. But we you'll get back new into habits. it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's OK. I, you'll catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like even when Jack and I, we, when we were kicking it, I was like, damn, we were having just so much fun bullshitting for yeah. like fucking 30 straight minutes, like waiting between like having to go like back on stage or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, man, like you forget how much energy is exchanged in person yeah, just being like in for the, the dumbest like so much. we were just putting on fucking masks and be like yo jack what about this and you realize how simple things are but yeah but also along with that i definitely had a level of like you know it's the first time i was going to be in front of a group of people granted like the crew's vaccinated and like the people in the studio are and everyone's covid tested so like from a safety standpoint it's pretty secure but it was more like that I'm having to switch gears to like, that's right. Like I need to put on an outfit yep. and yeah. I need to show out and, and then I need to perform for people like, uh-huh. yep. And we've just gotten used to communicating on zoom. Like, I feel like I've just gotten comfortable enough where I like, don't get nervous when I'm in the waiting room and I'm like, it could go live. And then, you know, when I press leave meeting, I know to keep it going until I can press the other leave meeting. Yeah. I don't just go leave yeah. meeting and then go and then like, like this. <laughs> and then have my face drop, and as I'm searching for the next one, you right. know, there, there's those. <laughs> yeah, that's I've just, so funny that that's a great observation. Like the difference from like your face where you're smiling, and then you hit the one, and then your face just then, completely drops. Yeah. But then you like, gotta hit right. a second one to confirm, right, yeah. and your face is just you're like, like, oh no, uh, yeah. while you look for it, it's <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah. Yes. Right. So uh, it's yeah, I I I really. It was nice to know that my fears were not really real, and that I. So quickly, I made a joke about it, but people go, "What's it going to be like when it really opens up and we're back to normal and everything's fine?" Which looks like it's like never going to happen. But like when I was in the Cayman Islands, it was like one day I'm in quarantine. I can't. There's caution tape on my front door. Like it's very strict there. That's why they have no COVID. And so as soon as we got out, we went to the grocery store without masks for the first time in you know over a year. And me and Andrew, my co-host on the Nikki Glazer podcast, daily Monday through Thursdays, was like. (laughs) Oh my God, we're going this. We were like filming like first supermarket, no COVID. And right, right. It, and you go, when is it going to feel like normal again? Aisle five. Like we were over it by <laughs> right. a, literally past produce. We were just like, okay, it's back to, when, to normal. Yeah. Just getting samples of little smokies from a woman <laughs> with a hot plate. You're like, feeding shit, it to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if culturally that's going to be the same thing because that that was one of the like in looking back at the 1918 pandemic, like that was something that historians said. Like, there's just like it left no print on like culture on anything. Like, they there was a great plague novel written, but it was like 25 years later or something. It's it's not a thing that like. Whereas wars like always make such an impact, the pandemic, yes. they're just like, yeah, I don't know, man. Guess that happened to somebody else. That's fascinating you say that because it feels that way. Even thinking about that plague, like I didn't hear about that yeah, until I this was either. happening. And it yeah. was like a, a, a very, very similar situation. So I do feel like we will go back to normal uh, very quick. It's, it's, it's faster than you think. And you really do forget about it. And that's why I stayed after we wrapped the show that I was there to shoot. I stayed in the Cayman Islands as long as I could till I had to come back here because 
I just, I came back as like an anti-masker. Like I was just like, fuck that. Like I, I left being like, Get God, shit together. I used to want to like really hurt people that would just lazily have their masks on, just kind of like defying right. everyone in, at the gate, at the airport gate and like have to be told. And then I came back and I was just like, I was, I was almost one of them. I mean, I'm good about it and I'm fully vaccinated, yeah, right. but, but I, it's, it's, it's funny how quickly you, you change. And, Your attitudes and, shift. Yeah. 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 Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to find out something you think is underrated. We will be right back. And we're back. And Nikki, we like to ask our guests, what's something you think is underrated? Apologizing. Okay. People can't apologize. It's really, some people just cannot do it. And it feels so good to actually know that you were in the wrong when it was going on and to tell someone what you did wrong and not, and not add a but to it. It's not an apology if you go, but I was really tired and you were really annoying uh, me. <laughs> so like apologizing without a but feels so good to be like, I'm not even going to talk about what you did wrong only what I did wrong. And I'm sorry I did that and really feel sorry. It's like such a load off. Like it feels great and it's hard to do. But I think if people start doing it more and trying to do it, you'll feel you'll feel really accomplished if you're able to really get to a place of doing that without adding a caveat of like, yeah, I'm sorry to that. But like, just yeah. keep the butts out. And I, I just I wish more people just tried to apologize or really get to a place where because no matter if you're like, nothing about it was my fault. It was all her. There's always something that you can find that you did to make the situation worse. So, like, mm -hmm. apologize for that. Yeah. Man, apologizing is, uh, it's because it's interesting, like you're saying, right? Like, these, there's moments, right, where you fuck up and there's a fork now in the road, which is either you can cop to it and say, oh, I fucked up. Or you do the thing and you follow your ego down denial, down to denialville, yeah. and then you can bury that shit inside you. And that's a burden you're going to carry, even if it doesn't feel like it. It is yeah. a burden you will carry because you you got to the fork and you chose to go the other way. And the Comes fact that you were IBS at the fork, two weeks later or whatever the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. And I think that's do yourself the favor of just not burdening yourself and yeah. having that on you because it is it will weigh on you on some level. Like and the more you do shit like that and you keep taking the fork away from the apology shit's gonna get darker and heavier and it might not feel like that now but over time i've definitely felt like shit man like i old like i need to write this or like yeah. i need to talk about something really and quick. you could do it at any time and and the thing is there are people out there that are like maybe thinking about an argument in their head where they're like i actually did nothing wrong in that and it's like if you think that if you think that there's a situation where you did nothing wrong you're you're wrong Honestly, right. there's never that's never been the case. There's always well, never two been to wrong, tango. Nikki. Yeah, I've never been wrong ever in my life. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah. you know, and, and this isn't to say if like you were like trying to think of it like not that I mean, there are certain circumstances I can think of that people would be very upset for me to be like you. What was your part to play? What were you wearing yeah. kind of things? <laughs> right. And it's not that it's like you can apologize even in that kind of circumstance to yourself for making it feel like it was maybe your fault or like. Like you can always find a way to right wrongs, and yeah. and it feels so good. I used to think it would feel so bad to admit. This is what a thing. Me and my podcast co-hosts who live together were roommates, best friends, and have the you know Selena Meyer and Gary <clears throat> dynamic. I can be very mean to him, and sometimes as I'm being mean and being totally out of line, and I know I'm wrong. I there's no way I'm going to apologize in that moment. But we have a safe word for when it, the argument like is. We both, it's tense. It's only going to get worse. Neither of us are going to apologize, even though we probably know that this will be, it will definitely be resolved. But we just say rooster. It was like, it's like our safe word for fights when it's like, there's a tension in the air. It can escalate. And let's just leave it at this and I'll apologize later because I can't do it now. Because right. you really have to like let it marinate and sit on it and be like, okay, like tail between your legs, come back to it. Like, okay, that was really wrong of me. But, you can't always get it in the moment. I'm not someone who can yeah. apologize in the moment. And I shouldn't because that would be insincere. Well, yeah. That, yeah, that's straight, you know, couples therapy tactics, you know, like yep. you can never solve it. Like you do need to take a second, go to your corners, take, come back down, get your adrenaline down and kind of be like, yeah, I don't want to, that, that wasn't a way we should handle shit and right. coming back to it. But yeah, that's, it's, 
you know, look at you healthily communicate. And that you said that was your co-host from the Nikki Glazer podcast, Mondays through Thursdays. Yeah, that was the one. Andrew okay. Collin, Mondays through Thursdays, Nikki Glazer podcast. Uh, right. Yeah, Big just a fun players. daily uh-huh. show to laugh and just feel better about yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's like, it, yes, com- it's all communication and being honest and not just giving people what they want. I don't apologize. There's something I did that was not good, morally reprehensible, probably to many people. And I'm not ready to apologize for it yet. And I know I need to. And the person probably is expecting one. But I'm not going to until I actually feel sorry because it would be insincere. And I'm still angry and still have an e- like my ego of like, I was entitled to that. So I go, you know what? I'm going to owe you an apology, but I don't have it for you yet. And I know that it's coming, but I, I'm not going to just give it to you because it's the right thing to do. And I know that it's coming. I want to actually feel it. So it's it's being honest with your feelings, too. Yeah. All right. Let's get into. And I what, felt like yeah. I deserved to murder that puppy. I'm just kidding. No, it wasn't. Yeah. That. yeah no, no. We're, we all know what you're talking about. We follow oh, you we on Instagram. Uh, yeah, we saw those puppies with you and It was just like getting too much attention. You know, I it was know. like all wanted to be the center of attention. That I'm thing excited to, to go. be uh, the subject of a documentary. Don't fuck with puppies. So. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they're, right. they're after me. All right, let's talk about Rudy real quick. Not fun to think about, except in this context when he's squirming. Um, ever since the feds raided his place back in April, uh, he's been very concerned that Donald is not backing him up because yeah. he has never, Donald has never backed anyone up. He <laughs> always tears the entire thing down. He lets them do the work of building up the infrastructure of a friendship and then just lets it just fucking crumble and looks the other way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Rudy was like, you know, I know he never has anyone's back, but he'll have mine. (laughs) Like as he navigated (laughs) all this, he's like, I'm going to do shit. I will completely debase myself as a human being and purported lawyer even because I know he will have my back in the end. But it doesn't seem like that because all these investigations around Specifically right now with what he was doing when during the Ukraine uh, whole scandal and impeachment. Remember that 900 years ago? <laughs> um, so right now it seems like he is really worried about these investigations and asking through all kinds of intermediaries for help. And some of the first things is like, first, can I get a statement from Trump? Mm. Maybe will he mm. give me a statement? He's like asking for a strong verbal or written statement saying that his work during that sort of whole you Trump Ukraine saga was at the direction of the president so that way he can still say like no i wasn't fucking wiling out doing some foreign lobbying shit that was under that was the president's direction the commander-in-chief please what could i do so that's one of his arguments for innocence that he needs upheld the other is he's trying to have the president sign some like legal motion that would have the feds have to like throw out any of the communications that they got under attorney client privilege but none of this does not seem like it's going to happen no. So he's made it clear that he's waiting for a statement from Trump. I mean, at like, this point, yes, he's he's sort of saying, I think we're at that phase where he, they don't I think he's not even quite sure what the case is going to be that's brought against him. And I think that's when we'll see if it starts being the kind of stuff where he's like, well, you know, because I would hate to, you know, violate the trust of, you know, the former president. You know, it's not getting quite there right now. We're at the the hands out phase and right, right now it seems like they're getting batted away which i think turns into the knives out phase this is all oh sourced on like people being like people saying that this is happening behind the scenes right. it's not rudy coming to the press and being like sure would be nice if uh donald would say something right like yeah no they're all yeah. going to his like everyone in orbit of trump and asking like please man like and the thing that in this reporting shows I think even when Trump was in the White House, his the people in around Trump and his advisors were like, get Rudy Giuliani fucking away from you, dude. Like this guy cannot do anything right. And he only creates more of a mess on anything he touches. It's not good for you, even though you like that. He will literally just take your orders and not question them. It's not that's that's also part of the problem. And because of that, many of them are saying, like, dude, stay the fuck away from because you don't know what they have on you or him. And to start hedging your bets and making statements and stuff could fuck you up but so I don't he's know. get you think he's just ghosting him yeah it, it, it definitely looks like that and i think the advice you know the money would be on his advisor being like dude fucking change your number like get away from this dude it ain't gonna be a good look it is interesting that the people still you think these guys 
Do do they really think it's not going to be? He's not going to do that to me. The thing he does to everyone else. Right. Yeah. They really convince themselves of that. It's going to be different this time. It's like yeah. when you go to the strip club and you're like, no, I think she liked me. <laughs> yes. I know it's different. It's me though. They don't know it's me. I'm different. Even it's... though the centuries of wisdom has shown this is an impossible feat. Yep. It, I it think just I am the one. Yeah. I am Neo. It proves once again that the thing that is remarkable about a lot of these people is not their intelligence or shrewdness. It's their desire for fame. And right. so he, he had more of a desire for fame than anyone. That's how he got famous in the first place. And then when he had the opportunity to become famous again and jump on Trump's coattails, he what he didn't give a fuck that it would eventually lead to his complete undoing. And he kept, you know, behaving in that way. Until uh, until he's totally fucked now. Um, I think he's also been drunk consistently for the last 20 years, which oh, is Oh, Rudy, you think is, is a big drinker? Yeah, yeah. They, oh, yeah. People I mean, like the say that interviews when, he's oh, given. I didn't know that. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> he goes to the bar before and after appearances where he's wow. like going on, on TV. Yeah. People have been like, yeah, he reeks of booze. Or remember a couple of <sighs> times, like even like on like CNN, like, Rudy, have you been drinking alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's preposterous. What are you talking about? Wow. Yeah. Why didn't I even think of that? I just, I guess I just don't think that these alcoholics can function this highly, but they really can't. There's some that really, really can. I mean, yeah. he's not functioning well, but like just being able to not die and drinking right. that much. And I mean, right. and he looks great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. That's the thing is that the, looks, the place it comes tone. out is that he appears to be like falling apart from the inside. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like it's yeah, black it's, ink leaking down from various oh, parts was... of his body. Let's talk real quick about uh, this New York Times article, Bill Gates. You know, so we had heard the Epstein thing. There's the report that he pursued a friendship with Jeffrey Epstein after he was a convicted uh, or he was convicted of, I think, child sex uh trafficking, trafficking. so that's obviously what? not a good look yeah yeah like three years after and then melinda french gates was like if you ever hang with him again i'm sorry like that's you you just can't and he continued to do it behind her back and we're getting more details that apparent people who were around for those interactions said that so I'll just read directly from the article. For years, Mr. Gates continued to go to dinners and meetings at Mr. Epstein's home, where Mr. Epstein usually surrounded himself with young and attractive women, said two people who were there and two others who were told about the gatherings. On at least one occasion, Mr. Gates remarked in Mr. Epstein's presence that he was unhappy in his marriage, according to people who heard the comments. So that's that's interesting. It seems like he's <sighs> implying, like, sure would be nice if somebody would, uh, you know, love me. Massage me upstairs. Yeah. yeah. But, but apparently, so just there, there's also the more standard uh, powerful guy, sex predatory behavior. He's like always trying to date uh, women who work for Microsoft, for uh, the Gates Foundation, for the company that manages his assets. Oh, but you, before he they announced the divorce, he was like... Oh. Really? Yeah. Have have these uh, rumors been going around forever? Because this was the first. I thought I always thought he was just such a good guy. What what was? I think she was helping him cover up, and yeah. there was like a lot of goodwill. And now it's just becoming a thing where it's yeah, it's it's Gross. just pe so yeah. Pe there there are six current and former employees of Microsoft, the foundation, the firm that manages the Gates fortune. Said those incidents, which referred to him, so he would. I think he also got the benefit of the doubt because he's a billionaire and he would ask women, he'd be like, look, if this makes you uncomfortable, forget it ever happened. But would you like to go out to dinner with me? Like he would like pull them aside and then he wouldn't like persist when they were like, fuck no, dude, like leave right. me alone. But that is, they said like that was, that was happening all the time. Uh, he was known for making clumsy approaches to women in and out of the office uh, his behavior fueled widespread chatter among employees about his personal life. So, so insane to me that our global economy and like everything that impacts us as a world is based upon just 22 year old women being irresistible to disgusting men. And like, it's like <laughs> horniness, these like really smart, powerful men 
just because they're like or like want f- just young girls, we all can't get a vaccine. Like that's it's like, I mean, it's all connected. It's just disgusting. And it's not even surprising that he is like that. Or maybe he just really needed a friend and Jeffrey's just a really good friend and they just yeah. have really good chats. <laughs> That's what this some of these articles too, because like it, they're also spinning saying like that he was seeking like marital advice from Jeffrey Epstein, and you're like, <laughs> That's... "Uh, excuse you for his quote toxic marriage," and you're yeah. like, "This, okay." I mean, this why just wasn't that a podcast? Kind of hits again that capitalism is not the free market; it protects people with all the capital. Bill Gates is one of the richest people in the world, so therefore he gets you know, the benefit of the doubt from all the mainstream media, they're going to cover up all this shit for decades until they feel like they can come out with it. But the capital, like being as powerful as he is or Jeff Bezos is or Elon Musk is like, they are going to get the benefit of the doubt like 99 times out of a hundred. And and then we'll find out a hundred years on how awful they fucking were. And they all want capital. They all want to be the richest so that they can. It's all relates to like sex and being able to like feel like a man. I mean, there's some people that aren't maybe motivated by sex, but it's like, I always just think about that of like all the things we have that are invented are because a man wanted to probably have sex like and like seem cool to people be like, I'll invent a chair because maybe like that'll make me important <laughs> in this village. And then maybe right. I'll get laid more. Like it's all based They're upon like, that. And it's just so funny yeah. that, yeah, these things can come crumbling down because guys are just pervs. Yep. And um, yeah, I just like the idea of the dude who's making a chair. Yeah. Like, Did you see Wayne make that chair? <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. But fucking Wayne tonight. We should make him the chairman of our town. <laughs> yeah. That's how it started. And he's like, yes. People go, oh, you can't watch so-and-so's comedy. Someone recently was like, why did you... I like I think I liked something that was funny from a guy that's maybe been accused of predatory stuff with women. And I go, because it made me laugh. And I if I didn't enjoy everything that was invented by a man who did something gross to a wooden or, or to a woman, sorry, is that everything nothing would exist. Like, the, right. like if I snap my fingers and everything that did that was created because a man was gross to a woman at some point stopped working doors wouldn't there wouldn't be anything i mean or we'd have better versions of the shit that we have yeah absolutely (laughs) it would just be different for sure yeah i think but yeah it goes along with i think because we were in a phase too where it's only until the last few years where people are willing to confront the history of anything that we interact with because for so long the sort of the move the pace of society was like let's just fucking ignore all like we have this now right so ignore how we got here and now we're like, well, hold on, man, because how we got here is still really fucked up for many people of all kinds. And then and it's like, uh, how much right. better could uh. it be to Jack's point of like, yeah, we might not have those things that those terrible people were. But what about the people that could have made cool things that right. were silenced? So it's. it's right. yeah. yeah, I think it's it's underrated, like how the uh, spread of like democracy and like including more people in the conversation around like science and you know arts and everything how that coincided with all of a sudden like technology is moving so quick and like we're solving all these huge problems Mm -hmm. it's like yeah because we stopped only relying on like the dumbest most insulated privileged (laughs) like five percent of the population like that helps a lot it's not just uh white men from northern europe who are contributing to the fucking (laughs) uh, advancement of the human species yeah, maybe my iPhone wouldn't take screenshots every time I turn down the volume. <laughs> Fuck you, Jobs. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And let, let's just get into this. I mean, I've been... I've been chopping at the bit ever since I saw that 60 Minutes was going to do a story on UFOs. Uh, I want it, aka UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Oh, But this is, you know, I wanted to be the cool guy who's like, I knew all that shit. Uh, <laughs> but the details... The cool guy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was I, into this before. I was in UFOs popular. like a long time ago. Okay, uh, bro. Yeah, that, I had that instinct. But uh, I'm really glad that, that this uh, 60 Minutes report came through. I think 
the details that I don't think had been fully absorbed in the mainstream media prior to the story that the story hit. These encounters like were and are happening all the time. They have this naval aviator like pilot guy saying that like when he was flying missions off the East Coast, he was seeing these things every day for two years. Mm. He said every day. (laughs) Yeah. So one one thing that made sense to me uh, helped solve a problem for me that I always have like the question of like why we we aren't seeing these all the time. Uh, other than that, they're out over the ocean. Uh, that seems to be how they adapted to camera phones as they just moved out over the ocean. But wait, is that real? Or are you just saying that? No, no, that that really seems to be where all the sightings are happening now is off the coast. Off because the they coast. realized they were getting seen too much because everyone has phones now. Cameras. That's that's my Whoa. suspicion. Interesting. OK, so the one like really close up encounter that this gives a lot of detail on, uh, indicates that they're smaller than I remember hearing and than they are in movies, like, which I think matters because if you've ever seen like a balloon float away into a clear blue sky, you like realize they disappear after about, you know, a thousand feet because like, yeah, we see like tiny specks of jumbo jets flying across the sky at 10,000 feet. So like, think about these, these are, they said about the size of a fighter jet. You're not going to see a fighter jet at that height. And also these things, they've seen them descend from 80,000 feet down to sea level in a split second. Oh, my God. They're more well-sourced than I think the mainstream media. It's not like one person seeing it. The main inexplicable accounts are picked up by a radar. Then they scramble flights to go check it out. They see it with their eyes. Uh, The planes have infrared targeting cameras on them. They see them. They pick them up. And then the big detail that I think was new news is they had a highly ranked uh, deputy assistant director of defense saying uh, that they know because he's like high enough, he can say for sure that this is not the U.S. military. Like this isn't some U.S. military technology like the U.S. military is like, what the fuck is going on? Whoa. And this was all, this was on 60 Minutes last night. And as someone who knew all this stuff kind of going into it, did you watch the piece last night? And yeah, was that the only thing that you kind of learned last night? That well, so you didn't know? I'm going to play this uh, five minute clip for you guys. So they also got the people who saw one of the more mind blowing and inexplicable ones who are, you know, just dorky, like pilots, like in their 50s who are just describe it and like you can see that their brain doesn't want to accept it as they're talking through it. But it's just a, I just want to, I just want you guys to listen to it. I can't wait, yeah. The government has ignored it, at least publicly, since closing its Project Blue Book investigation in 1969. But that began to change after an incident off Southern California in 2004, which was documented by radar, by camera, and four naval aviators. We spoke to two of them. David Fravor, a graduate of the Top Gun Naval Flight School. So and again, kind of a dorky-looking dude with glasses, gray hair, Nimitz, jeans, and, and a blazer. Wing, Lieutenant Alex Dietrich, who has a woman never spoken publicly who looks about like a high encounter. school principal. I never wanted to be on national TV. <laughs> no offense. So why are you doing this? Because I was in a government aircraft, because I was on the clock, and so I feel a responsibility to, to share what I can, and it is unclassified. Okay. <laughs> it was November 2004, and the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group was training about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. For a week, the advanced new radar on a nearby ship, the USS Princeton, had detected what operators called multiple anomalous aerial vehicles over the horizon, descending 80,000 feet in less than a second. That's so On November 14th, Fravor and Dietrich, each with a weapons system officer in the back seat, were diverted to investigate. They found an area of roiling whitewater the size of a 737 in an otherwise calm blue sea. So... As we're looking at this, <laughs> her backseaters says, hey, Skipper, out. do you? And about that, got out. I said, dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? And we saw this little white tic-tac-looking object. And it's just kind of moving above the whitewater area. As Dietrich so, He's like above, indicating like a swirling a motion. Look. So you're sort of spiraling down? Yep. The tic-tac's still pointing north-south. It goes and just turns abruptly. 
turns and starts mirroring east, west. me. So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. So it's it's mimicking your moves. Yeah, it was aware we were there. He said it was about the size of his F-18, with no markings, no wings, no exhaust plumes. I want to see how close I can get. So I go like this, and it's climbing still. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Disappears? Disappears. Like, gone. It had sped off. What are you thinking? So your, your mind tries to make sense of it. I'm going to categorize this as maybe a helicopter or maybe a drone. And when it disappeared, I mean, it was just... Did your backseaters see this too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was four of us in the airplanes literally watching this thing for roughly about five minutes. Seconds later, the Princeton reacquired the target, 60 miles away. Another crew managed <laughs> to briefly lock onto it with a targeting camera before it zipped off again. Yeah. All right, we can stop there. But Wait, do we get to see it? Did it does they show They didn't the get any, yeah, they right. didn't get the footage. So 60 miles away, someone else picked it up, like, right away. So yeah, it, it, right within away. a blink of an eye, it was 60 miles Peaced away. out. Yeah. And, they, yeah, it, it's, there There are, so the Tic Tac thing has been corroborated. Like, you've probably seen the radar footage or the, uh, I think it's infrared camera targeting footage, like the thing that they usually target enemy vehicles with uh, locked onto it. And you can actually hear the people be like, woohoo! Because it's really hard to like get something moving that fast. Like they just not nothing moves that fast. So like Aye. that's like our technology isn't equipped to even pick these things up even for the make most sense part. of them. Whoa. Yeah. And now we got Marco Rubio out here who's like, we got to get to the bottom of yeah, this. Yeah, Marco like, Rubio. I, uh, I agree with him. I know. Also, also somebody who appears to be. I don't know. He he's rotting from the inside as well mm, what's mm. the what's the what are we doing with what's going to happen what is what does this mean I don't, that's the thing like that's what is so interesting about it to me is that there's just not like there's, there's not you, much of a plan what, yeah the pentagon is not known to be like i don't know man it's fucking trippy uh do you what believe do you in think? roswell and the crash and everything do you what's, what's i don't your... know about that stuff like i yeah. i I think that's like there's so much like bullshit upon bullshit upon bullshit like calloused up over it that it's really hard to like get to the original details of it. And like they I basically believe in like these very specific instances where we have like multiple corroborating things and also technology that spots the stuff. Um, and we have the military being like, yo, we don't fucking know. We're kind of freaked out. If you guys have any ideas, like that's what's also interesting is that they're now telling like in the past, I think we didn't see many instances like this because they even say after that, they're like, we've talked over beers and said, if it had just been us out there, we never would have brought this up. Like we never would have admitted to what we had seen because it would have been so weird but because there were four of us who could all be like i swear that's i saw it they saw it like we all saw the same thing so there's probably all sorts of cases like this or similar where people were just like yeah but i don't want to seem like i'm crazy yeah. so they're yeah. trying to do they're trying to big little lies it you know right. what i mean y'all were there y'all know what happened right have you guys seen <laughs> anything before i have no. not me neither no. i thought I, I was stargazing in the cayman islands it was really dark and i thought i saw something and it would like move wherever I looked. It was like a what I thought was a satellite, you know, that you follow it, and then it would move. And then I realized it was one of those floaters in your eye in your that eye. you try to like trace, <laughs> and it keeps going. Like it right. will go. You can't ever catch up with it. It's almost like I can predict the movements. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the skeptics all like. I think a lot of these things are like you know a spot on the weather lens balloons. or weather balloons. Yeah, or... I mean that was the sixties version of <laughs> right. But yeah. I think some of them really are weather balloons sometimes that yeah. because they're so far away and because they're big, like it just fucks people's perception up. But stuff like this doesn't like that doesn't make any sense. It's like, on wax. And yeah. And you have like shook pilots who are like, I didn't really want to ever talk about this on TV. Yeah. Like, mm. This makes me feel yep. very uncomfortable. I wish like, I didn't yeah, have to tell you this. I got chills hearing that story yeah. for sure. The fact that like someone isn't like has like a stores and bickle like volcano vaporizer <laughs> next to them with like spiked <laughs> hair and is like, nah, man, I'm telling you, I know what I saw. I know it's, what I saw. It's totally more, that's yeah. the thing. It's when if someone uh, tells you what they saw and that you just know they're not the type of person that would ever 
like the, the that it's hard for them. They had to like really look deep inside to even admit because they're so embarrassed that they even saw this. And that's when you're like, this is the shit's real. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. was like, that's the other thing is people, a lot of people's explanations are it's a drone or it's like some sort of enemy thing. And she was like, I was trying to make it that in my mind as it was coming up, even though it wasn't moving like that. And like it, the stuff it was doing couldn't really do that. But then when it like zipped 60 miles away in a split second, I realized like I was looking at something like you can't right. you need something to like literally break your brain to uh, I think for a certain type of person who is like, you know, military been trained to just like yeah. if everything is that, understandable, yeah. black and white. Yeah. 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 That's what when you see magic, sometimes you're like, I I know that just broke my brain, but I know you're a human like you. Right. You know that there's a trick and this one is just David Blaine was nowhere to be found. Right. Yeah. I uh, I personally believe in magic. I think all magicians are evil warlocks. Yeah. But and I hope you do because you always have a friend wearing big red shoes. That's true. <laughs> uh, Nikki, it has been a pleasure having you. So fun, uh, you guys. Back on TDZ. Where can people find you and follow you? You know, Nikki Glazer on Instagram, but also every day, Monday through Thursday, the Nikki Glazer podcast. Jump on in. You don't have to listen to... If you like this show, you'll like that one. Just jump in anytime. You'll catch up. You'll get the inside jokes fairly soon. You can listen to past episodes, but it's not required. And that's what I love about it most is like, it's just a, you know, like a daily morning radio show that you would listen to on your drive to work. So uh, the Nikki Glazer podcast, check it out. Yeah. With all the sound effects, right? Like, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, a lot a, of the morning zoo of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so good. Uh, Thank we're you. so happy to have you guys on the network. So happy to be on it. Oh, and I'm going on tour uh, this summer. I'm oh, doing yeah. a theater tour July through probably January. It's called One Night with Nikki Glazer, and I have a ton, 40 cities or something like that. And you can find wow. out where it's at slash tour. Damn. Uh, and she's going to watch her Veep tapes before she goes out. <laughs> oh, you, you know, know get the I'll sharpest version. It. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I really will be. Is there a, a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, I've been. I really recommend following the guy from Eve Six, uh, the lead <laughs> yeah. singer of Eve Six. He, he got a lot of press when he first like started tweeting really honestly. But yeah, if you just uh, at Eve Six on uh, Twitter, he just like talks about. He said, I think the the tweet that got, it's Eve 6, like the number 6, at Eve 6. I think it was, he first got a lot of, like, attention because he tweeted, I was literally a virgin when I wrote the Heart in a Blender song. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I think that opened up. He just talks, he tweets honestly about pop culture and about music and about mu- politics, music. Yeah, politics, uh, you know, Third Eye Blind, you know, the, the lead singer of Third Eye Blind apparently told him that he was going to fuck his girlfriend like in person and just like he just gives you he's just always tweeting he's really funny and um and really honest and uh probably has, could be canceled for many of the things he says but i enjoy his feed a lot nice miles where can people find you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying find me on twitter and instagram at miles of gray also the other podcast 420 day fiance you know we're just talking 90 day but fucking hi and let's see some tweets that i like First one is from Thickums at Misanthropic92. Someone once said Twitter is a sociology seminar where no one has done the reading, but everyone is speaking. I think about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that does feel like that. Uh, Becca O'Neill at Becca O'Neill tweeting, when I see a bunch of green circles on my IG stories, I feel like this man right here. And it's Varys from Game of Thrones with like a fan. <laughs> yeah, when you know you're in that close friend circle, you do feel like you're getting the, the tea. The real shit. <laughs> oh, man. I am not in any of those. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, tweet. So I'm enjoying. Joel Kim Booster tweeted, were you bored or were you boring? Mm. And Claire Parker tweeted, all my hydration comes from the iced coffee runoff sips. When you drink the melted ice. Yes, I love <laughs> oh, Claire Parker. Shit. She's one of my favorite people. She's a good friend of mine. That's so funny and so true. It's so true. It's where all my all my liquid comes from. Melted <laughs> ice and iced coffee. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song 
We ride out on Miles. What song are we not riding out on? We are recommending people recommending listen to. that you check yes. it out independently wherever yes. you go. We're not playing it anymore. We don't want to get sued. Mm. We don't want smoke, okay? But what I will say is I will big up these artists. Uh, this one's from River, River Tiber. Uh, we've gone out on a River tra- Tiber track maybe a few years ago, but um, the new shit's out and it's really dope. It's called Hypnotized. And it's just got a great River Tiber has just great production and has worked with a lot of artists that you really like. I recommend the work, but this has just got it's funky and it's got like bass to it and it's got the his vocals are really nice and soulful. So it's a good one to you know get you to through your Tuesday and ambient. Ooh, I am adding it right now on Spotify. There it is. Hypnotize. Boom. Done. Ha. Sicker than your ever. Is it that one? The nope. Biggie biggie. Pop biggie. a twist cabbage off instinct. No. Okay. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.